Well, if you've ever watched uh, MasterChef or one of those shows where people talk a lot about food, you'll inevitably hear someone say what has become an incredibly cliched line about what food means to them. People say, food brings people together. Now, as cliched as that is by now, it is, of course, true. <clears throat> food, for us, is, of course, more than just calories. It's more than just tasty things, even though it is that. It's a social experience when we eat meals with each other. And for most of us, I think some of our best memories are going to be of significant meals that we've had, eaten on special occasions with people that we love. And of course, I think the best kind of meal, the meal that brings the most kind of people together, is a feast. It's a meal of absolute abundance. Everyone has more than they need and there's room for everyone at the table. Now, as we read the Gospels, we can see that food and meals were very important to Jesus as well. In Luke's Gospel, we are always hearing, every time almost we open the book, about him eating with someone. So he's being invited to meals. He's even miraculously creating his own meals when there's, you know, out of nothing, when there's not enough food to go around. And of course, in the end of the gospel, uh, after his, uh, as, uh, as he goes to die, he creates a meal, the central act of worship for his followers, the Holy Communion. This is the meal that we shared. So in this chapter of Luke, chapter 14, the idea then of meals and feasts, which is important to him, it's used by Jesus to explain the kingdom of God to people and to invite people to join him in that kingdom. So last week we heard Jesus answering uh, the question, well, what is the kingdom of God and what is it like? Well, here he teaches us that the kingdom of God is like a feast. It's like a grand meal. And I think that we'll see that this idea of the feast of the kingdom, as we open it up, will open up for us an experience of God's grace today so that we can take hold and enjoy as we experience his kingdom so I want to summarise firstly just the main points of action in this story before we think about what it means. So as you read, Jesus is having a meal in the house of the Pharisees on the Sabbath. And at that meal he performs a healing. Um, and then he questions the Pharisees about what you can do on the Sabbath, on their interpretation of it, what is allowed and what is not. And then he goes on apparently to describe uh, the etiquette for you, what you should have around responding to invitations to meals. Um, it seems like a bit of a you know, non-secretor, but actually it becomes clear that he's actually talking not about uh, the ethics of eating, but about the kingdom of God and this feast of the kingdom that God is inviting people to join. So to think about this passage, I think the best place to start in detail is verses 7 to 11, where Jesus talks about seating arrangements at wedding feasts. So if you, look at, if you read what he says, at, at events like that in their culture, obviously there wasn't uh, formally assigned seating as there might be at ours where you get the list and the card. Um, people would be given place around the table based on their importance, based on their social status as they arrived. And so the issue comes, and it can be a bit awkward, when you arrive and it's your turn to take a seat, where are you going to sit? And have you accurately judged your own status in this event? Talk about, uh, you know, a bit of embarrassment. It could happen. So Jesus ima imagines the scenario that is embarrassing where you've taken a really good seat only to be asked by the host to move down a bit further because someone who's more important than you has come. So he says it's better, really, and it's more wise to take the lowest possible seat when you arrive so that then you can be given the honour. People say, oh, come up and sit up in a more important place. You're invited up to a better spot. Now, I think... 
this is actually quite good life advice. And if you take nothing away from this sermon today apart from that, I think it would be good to remember it's always better uh, to put people in a position where they want to give you more than you have rather than having to take things away from you, just as a bit of advice. So, um, But, of course, this is really about more than that. It's about the kingdom of God. Now, earlier on in this series, I described what I called the keys to the kingdom. So in the teaching of Jesus, as we've seen, the kingdom of God is essentially a spiritual dimension of reality all around us, which we experience the presence of God directly. That's what the kingdom of God is. And this extra dimension actually exists alongside our everyday world and it interacts with it in various ways. And the way that Jesus teaches us so we can get access to that hidden dimension, the kingdom, is by acting according to the rules and principles under which the kingdom of God operates. And so these are what I call the keys. And these rules are different to those that our normal world operates under. And in fact, they're usually the opposite to it. So identified two keys or rules that we have to experiencing the kingdom. And the first of these is that in the kingdom of God, the more humble you are, the higher status that you have and the higher you go up. The more humble you are, the higher you go. And the second is that in the kingdom of God, the more that you give away, the more it is that you receive. So the more you give, the more you receive in return. So it is different to our world, isn't it? Jesus reiterates the first of these principles in our reading in verse 11. He says, For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And the lesson is, if you want to experience the kingdom, if you want to experience God's presence in your life, the way to do that is to become humble. Reduce your striving for glory or honour in the worldly sense and also to give away things generously so as to make space for the spirit in your life to be filled in return. Those are some of the keys to the kingdom. And so for Jesus, the picture of being invited to a higher place in the wedding feast when you humbly take the lowest, it's an analogy for how the kingdom of God works. And the second principle is important too in this analogy because it reminds us that the kingdom of God is a place of abundance. And so the more you give away, the more that you receive because God's resources are unlimited. There's no limit to what he can give, so our only limitation is how open we are to receive what he has to give us. And that's why humility makes sense in the kingdom of God. You don't need to grab for what you think you need or even what you want. We can allow that God will provide us with what he wants to give us. You know, so if you think about this analogy, why might you be wanting to grab the place of honour at a feast? Why would you do that? Because you think, or we think, if I don't grab this place, someone else will get more than me. I won't get what I need. I'll miss out. We do feel that we have to argue, we have to jostle for what we want. You know, do I get the best seat at the meal? Do I sit in the front seat in the car? Do I get the biggest house, the best portion of land, the most attractive partner, etc., etc.? The most extreme example of that would be nations, perhaps, who feel that invading and annexing new territories will increase their security and prosperity. We want to grab more. So the key takeaway here is that God, the kingdom of God is not like that. The kingdom of God is a place of abundance. There's more than enough. So in the kingdom, the less important you make yourself, the more important you become because you're filled with God. And the less you hold on to and grab for, the more you, that you get because the more God can give you. 
Because God himself is infinite, his love is infinite, his grace is abundant, it keeps coming, it's unending. There's enough for everyone, there's more than enough. That's why the image of a feast is a great metaphor for what it's like to enter God's kingdom and to experience it. At a feast, you know, don't we, we have abundance. We usually have more food than you can possibly eat. And usually we give ourselves all the time in the world to eat it. Just keep eating until you fall asleep, basically. So to go back to the start of the passage, I think this is why Jesus raises the question of healing someone on the Sabbath or saving a child or an ox that falls into a well. The Sabbath day in the law of Moses was not, in Jesus' view, meant to be a legalistic rule. It's not just about not doing anything for a day. The Sabbath was supposed to be an expression of God's abundance and his love towards his people. So he invites them to rest and says, I will give you everything that you need. So it's natural that you would receive healing and salvation on the Sabbath because that's what the Sabbath is for, to experience God's abundance. And I think this is so obvious, really, that we read here the Pharisees can't really say anything to contradict Jesus at this point. They sort of are silent, even though they probably wanted to say something. It would seem a bit, um, bit foolish to say anything in regards to that. And so Jesus then goes on to explain to the Pharisees and the other guests that this abundant feast is what the kingdom of God is like and encourages them, well, you need to live according to that reality if that's what you're participating in. And I think the main message that we take away from this is that we, if we're in the kingdom of God, if we're living in that way, our lives are to be characterised by what you might call radical uh, hospitality, radical hospitality. And the point Jesus is making is that this abundance of God's feast, his kingdom, if we're participating in that, that should overflow into our own lives as well, an abundance of hospitality. And that's what Jesus says in verses 12 to 14. He says, you know, when you put on a meal, don't invite people who you expect can pay you back, either socially or financially. Invite people who, he says, who have no prospect of ever repaying you for what you've done, who they have nothing to offer you, poor, marginalised people. The reward will come later. It's the reward of the kingdom, he says. Now, of course, it's not an absolute rule. I'm not, you're not saying I'll never invite your friends over for a meal again. I mean, that's another rule. But it's a description of the kind of hospitable life and action that comes from the experience of the kingdom of God. If you knew what God was like, this was how you, how you would behave. If we truly experience the kingdom, we will hopefully be able to disengage from concerns about status and social credit and just welcome people into our lives because they need it, particularly people who don't experience abundance or grace in other areas of their life. And if we do that, Jesus says, you're living in the kingdom. You're sitting at this feast with Jesus. You're shown this is to be true. And Jesus says we do this because, you know, this is how God treats us. This is how God treats everyone. In verses 16 to 24, he talks about the feast of the kingdom. The kingdom of God and God's plan is this great banquet feast where everyone is invited. God puts on a big spread for the entire human race. And that, you know, and that should be wonderful news to God's people, particularly those he's talking to on that day. But the problem is, he says, look, it seems to him that, it finds, that a lot of people find reasons or excuses not to come, not to, listen, not to attend God's banquet, you know, Whatever reasons they give, you know, I've just bought a new cow, I've just gotten married, etc., etc. Um, so the invitation, he says, well, okay, if you're not going to do it, it's going to be spread out to everyone on the street, whoever they are, whatever their situation, the poor, the crippled, the lame. Um, what the banquet master, God, wants is a full house. 
He'll do whatever it takes. So all the seats are going to be filled. Everyone's invited. Um, and the point for those listening to Jesus on that day was that they're in danger of being like those people who have made excuses not to come to God's feast because they're rejecting Jesus and his invitation. And they're going to miss out and they'll see other people enjoying this feast ahead of them. Now, it seems that for many reasons, whatever, the Pharisees weren't really hungry enough for God in Jesus' um, estimation. They weren't hungry enough for God. They sort of felt they had enough. So instead... Jesus says people are going to come into the kingdom who actually are hungry for God's grace, who really know what they need. They're ready to receive it. They want it. Um, And in Jesus' experience, this was usually poorer people and those people who knew they didn't have much to offer in terms of achievement or holiness to God, they knew they were hungry. They were ready to accept that invitation to the feast and I think it's still basically that way today, those who are ready to accept So for all of us who I think today, what does this mean? Well, fundamentally, I think we need to understand that our experience of God and his kingdom is only really limited by ourselves and how hungry we are for it. It's not not limited by God's invitation. God is absolutely hospitable to us. His abundance is there. It's inexhaustible. The kingdom of God does not exclude anyone. And there's enough for all of us at the feast. And there's a place for everyone there. Uh, and, but the more open we are to it, the more we can receive of that. So I think we're invited to examine today, well, what is it that we want? You know, what are we grabbing for? What kind of world are we trying to live in? What are we hungry for? Are we jostling for the scraps of the things that the world has, a bit of, bit of money, a bit of prestige? Or is the, the abundance of the kingdom, is that what we're after? And why do we refuse God's invitation when he gives it to us? Secondly, I think uh, we're, we're invited to think, you know, if we want to be like God and to follow Jesus, we are called to be hospitable people. Um, you know, not, not, all, not all of us are great at hosting meals, you know, that's fine. But to the extent that our lives, our hearts are open to other people, we're hospitable, I think, and the kingdom of God is expressed through us. We're open to God and working through us. So I'd encourage all of us to look today, how open are our lives to those who need hospitality? What is the place of that in our life? It's a big challenge. Um, are we open to share with people who need to experience God's grace and to invite them in? And who do you see in your own life that might meet that description? And do we trust if we do that, that the keys of the kingdom will work and will receive more back than we put in? That this will be a path of abundance for us too, because that's the, that's the problem, isn't it? We think we only have just a small amount to give. I think that's our path um, into the heart of God and our path into the kingdom that Jesus has offered us. It's a path of hospitality. So we're going to spend some time now in reflection on that. So Viv's going to lead us in the time to think about what that means for us today. Thank you.